Thanks everybody for joining and tuning in. I had chills, literally had chills when she was talking to me on the phone. It's so perfect because it speaks to the mission of what we're trying to foster at SageLink so perfectly, which is turning our experiences, you know, harnessing the, the wisdom from them and sharing them with each other to inspire each other, empower each other, lend hope, and a myriad of other things that you can, you know, get in value from these stories. So I'm really excited and, and thank you, Mari, for taking the time to do this and being brave enough to share your journey with others. You're truly an inspiration. And um, I will hand it over to you. Thank you so much, Linda. Oh my gosh, even as you're introducing me, it's funny because I've shared this story so many times over the past several years. And I gotta tell you, the nerves, like they never go away. <laughs> They're always there. And, um, you know, like I hear you say you're an inspiration and I'm like, me, what? So I founded a program called Girls Empowerment Experience. And what we do is we empower girls and boys, but mostly girls with confidence, courage, and connection. And the way that we do that is through movement, a little bit of yoga, fitness, self-defense, journaling, um, movement, sorry, mindfulness, journaling, breathing, and self-love. And that self-love is really just a lot of fierce, honest storytelling and feeling our feelings, feeling it to heal it, and being with each other and supporting each other. Um, but I don't really want to talk about any of that today. I want to talk about where that came from um, and why that is girls empowerment experience. So it begins with my childhood. Um, I grew up in Redondo Beach, California. Uh, I was always very petite and had this big curly hair and kind of raspy voice and sort of curvy athletic body. And um, I went to a private school actually until third grade and my, my third grade class had six kids in the whole class. And then in fourth grade, I transitioned to public school and I had never seen so many kids in my entire life. And I had never felt so different and so alone in kind of a sea of blonde, tall, thin, beautiful beach babes. And here I was, this sort of different looking young woman. And, um, and I was a fierce perfectionist. I had so much pressure on myself to achieve. And I thought that being loved meant getting straight A's and being liked by everyone and never disappointing anybody, being a people pleaser, um, being whoever other people wanted me to be. And I grew up in a home with a lot of chaos, um, a lot of mental illness, kind of never really knowing what the day would bring or who would walk through that front door. Um, that created a lot of anxiety for me and a lot of big feelings. And my first, like I said, rock bottom moment, that was when I was 13 and I was hospitalized and for anorexia, um, also anxiety and depression. And I think, I think a lot of people will probably say that I'm lying or that I'm making this up, but I swear, I remember looking at those barred windows and thinking, I'm going to get out of here and I'm going to use this experience 
to help other girls like me. So I get this job at um, a local karate school and I work the desk and I had grown up doing martial arts because I had refused to play team sports. Um, of course, you know, I couldn't fail in front of other people or I couldn't fail and, and let a whole team down. So I would never play team sports. Um, so martial arts is the only thing that I did growing up. And, um, and so I start teaching kids karate. And again, I'm living this really double life because I am high and stoned and drunk more than I am sober. And yet I'm, you know, on the weekends going and teaching kids about loving your body and respecting yourself and respecting others and discipline and focus. And I'm just really struggling with that myself. And um, after college, they asked me if I would run the Redondo Beach School. And that's where I'm from. And I was like, absolutely not. No way. I'm going to graduate school. I'm going to be a doctor. Like, you know, that's the path to success. My mom's a lawyer. My dad's a doctor. The only way to be successful is if I follow that path. So that's what I'm doing. And I just couldn't deny this, like, this little bird voice on my shoulder that said, no, you're going to do this. You're going to go teach karate and you're going to put graduate school off. Takes a very long time. Um, it takes a lot of trial and error for me to go off of antidepressants, which at that point I had been on for 10 years. Um, I go to meetings. I hire my own therapist for the first time, somebody that I choose and that I really connected with because she had a very similar story to me. Um, I read every book that I possibly can. I find CrossFit, um, which was kind of a happy accident because at the time, uh, my then very good friend and biggest crush at work, who's now my fiance, um, he was doing CrossFit and he's like, I really think you'd be into this. Like, I really think you'd be great at it. And so I just decided, oh, I'm going to do it just to impress him. And what I came to learn through CrossFit was finally a way to work out um, to see what my body could do, not just what my body could look like. And all of a sudden I wanted to wake up in the morning and not be hung over because I wanted to go hang out with my new friends, you know, who have this new identity of athlete, which I had always seen from afar and always been so jealous of and wanted to be a part of something like that, but I could never face that kind of potential failure. Um, and so I, I start learning about nutrition. I start learning about, oh gosh, how can I fuel my body to do these kinds of workouts and recover? And how can I support my body in this kind of exercise um, through nutrition? And oh, by the way, what's a carbohydrate? Oh, I can eat those? <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> and I start to learn that there's no such thing as good or bad foods. There's just protein, carbohydrates, and fats, and vegetables. And I learn how to remove the charge and the emotional charge around food that I had had for 15 years. I, gosh, I want to, all of this self-love stuff that I'm learning about, I want to share in my own way. And I don't want to just teach karate anymore. I want to teach fitness and yoga and breathing and journaling and meditation. And I want to talk about our feelings. And I want to talk about these big feelings that nobody's tells you guys is anxiety and how to deal with anxiety or how to feel your feelings and live life on life's terms instead of numbing with whatever numbing agent you need to use. Um, and so I decided I would start teaching a couple like workshops and being able to work through challenges in real time, you know, and what's happening at school, what's happening at home. And 
how do we navigate these feelings and also build a support group between other girls who can share the same things and the same feelings and and have a space where they feel heard and they feel safe and they feel like they matter and their story and their voices matter so that sort of evolved into what is now girls empowerment experience and i feel like that has inspired me to continue my own self-love and confidence journey and there have been a lot of opportunities that have come up from that, which I'm so grateful for. And, and one of them in particular was um, a television show that I got to be a part of, which really just challenged every confidence muscle in my body and every courage muscle in my soul. It's all I want to say about that is it's an, it's an endless journey. And although, you know, you could probably look at me and say that I am you know, well, you could say I'm recovered from eating disorders and addiction. I still think there's just always so much to learn. And the interesting thing about trauma or these, you know, adversities is that it's kind of like a circle and new experiences and new things will come up that will trigger those parts of you and, and bring those parts of you to the surface. And you have to, ask, you get to, you get to ask yourself, okay, how do I want to tell this story? And not just, you know, how do I want to come on to Sage Link and tell my story? How do I want to look back on it all? But how do I want to look back on it all for myself? How do I want to remember this really high stakes moment of, gosh, I got pushed up to my edge of mental stability and I knew that I could jump or I could run the other direction. And I was so deeply uncomfortable and I gave up. I, I ran the other direction, I picked up the pill again, or I, you know, I, I went for another run or I, whatever your agent is, right? Or I got up to that edge, I was so uncomfortable and so scared and I jumped and I flew and that parachute caught me. And I feel like that has kind of been something that has carried me through these past several years of acting my way into different thinking and really choosing to be the author of my own story and guidance, and, but really see it all as my choice and all my choices. And I want to empower young people with that same knowing that they're the creators of their lives and that they get to create whatever experience they want to have. And sometimes that means getting really, really, really uncomfortable temporarily and then getting to this like lasting self-satisfaction that doesn't come from anybody or anything but you. And I think in every moment we have that choice, we have that opportunity to ask ourselves, okay, how do I want to look back on this? Who do I want to be? And then can I just take one small step in that direction? Can I just, can I feel the fear and do it anyway? Can I feel everything that I'm feeling and still just make a different choice? Um, um, I'm sure that, that the listeners have some questions for you. Um, I'm going to start it off. I have a question. Yeah. Uh, you talked about, taking the jump versus running away and taking the easy way with another run or another pill. And then you took a jump. And can you talk about that jump? What did that jump feel like? And, and why was it a jump? Was it a physical jump? Was it a mental jump? Was it a combination? Can you talk about that a little? Yes. Bit? Yes. That's a really great question. 
Um, and it's, it's something that I didn't really understand to be completely honest. Like it was something that people talked about all the time, you know, the saying like leap and the net will appear. And I had intellectualized it as I have done with most of my life, um, as a sort of uh, academic, but I, I didn't understand what it was until I started to do it. And one thing, um, that really exemplified that for me. Well, uh, I think there's three examples that are most pivotal. The first is my sobriety um, from prescription pills because the physical pain and um, discomfort that came with sobriety was like, it was just excruciating and unbearable. And it was, it was not just emotional, it was physically, horrible. <laughs> and, and so I think, you know, having that moment of saying, well, nothing changes if nothing changes. And having that moment of deciding that I was going to be temporarily really, really, really uncomfortable because I would keep asking myself, well, what do you want? Well, I want to be healthy. I want to love myself. I want to feel what it feels like to just be me. And I want to feel what it feels like to feel my feelings and, and, and support myself through that. Um, and so that was the first time that I understood what it was to be extremely uncomfortable and challenged physically and mentally, and then make a different choice and, and decide to voluntarily put myself through physical and mental discomfort, because I knew it was getting me to what I wanted it to be and coming back to why, why am I even doing this in the first place? What does it mean to me? What is it what does it even matter? Because of course I could, could have said no and backed out. And um, so that was another time where I just really dove into myself and filled out like two journals of, of mindset practices and writing out exactly what I wanted to experience in visualizing the, ex I mean, like I'm talking like, then I say thank you to the cameraman. Then I maybe tighten my ponytail. Then I take a deep breath. Then it like down to the seconds because I, I had to create a way for me to know, well, okay, well, when I make a mistake, what am I going to do? Because here's the thing. It's not if you make a mistake or if you fail, you, you are always going to fail when you're trying something new. Always. You're always going to make a mistake. You're always going to F up. So you can just take that fear and like validate it. Yeah. It's a valid fear. It's real. It's going to happen. So what are you going to do when that happens? And you can be prepared for it. And I think that's kind of how we grow our confidence muscles is, is that self-talk process and preparation and, and mindfulness preparation and, and being real with our anxiety, being real with our fear, because it's there for a reason. It's there to help us. It's there to help us survive, you know, whether it's a physical fight or flight or it's the fear of what other people think of us. It's served a purpose in our life, just like my eating disorder was my friend, you know, it served a purpose for me to control something, to distract myself, to obsess, to validate all of the reasons why I wasn't good enough. So until we figure out what that fear is really like, what the purpose of that fear is, what it is doing for us, because we can say, oh, well, it's not doing anything for me, but it is, or else you wouldn't have it, you wouldn't use it. So you find out what it is and what it's serving, and then you ask yourself, well, can I be willing to give it a hug to give myself a hug, give my inner child a hug, and then start to reparent and recoach myself. I guess to summarize that, Linda, it's like proving to yourself that you can. 
you know, you have to back yourself up because we talk about it, you could intellectualize it, but until you prove to yourself that that's true, that those, you know, positive mantras or whatever you're saying to yourself are actually valid, it doesn't matter. Just like with any friend or any relationship, you know, you have to trust what that person is saying. And so you have to trust what you're saying to yourself. And I think the way that we do that is by acting our way into that thinking and proving to ourselves that it's true. And for having the idea to allow everyone to find Amari and like just helping them to make that connection because um, quite honestly, I think my life would look a lot different if I hadn't met Mari. Um, and just knowing that um, Sage is going to help women make those connections and, and put people in touch with someone who, like Mari has said to me more times than I can express to you, I know, Natalie, exactly how you feel, you know? Um, and I wanted to remove the happenstance for women in, in finding these women that we can just connect with. Like, I think that we all, all the people right now that just spent the last hour listening to you, Mari, feel really super connected to you and grateful for that connection. I know I do. And, and I'm so, I'm so happy that my platform can try to foster that. But also another thing that I wanted to say that really struck me about um, your experience going into rehab and everyone saying you're packing your bags as if you're going on vacation and not putting, you know, the real contact, you know, not, not making it a real experience. You know, the idea of stigma is something that I think a platform like Sage, where we're hearing these stories and, and the more we hear each other's stories and, you know, and, and feel that reduction in stigma, I think we just all feel like a weight lifted off of us suddenly. And I think what you're doing for those girls, that component of it is just amazing. Um, and we'll be Linda, what you said about removing the stigma. I got to tell you, Every single time I have an opportunity to share, whether it's through writing or talking like this, that stigma is, I mean, obviously this is six years later, but it's gone. Like, I don't, I don't feel any hesitation to talk about mental health. It's not about being afraid of what people will think of me, you know, for having mental health struggles. And so I just want to share with this community that if ever you find someone where you feel safe and supported, tell your story and share it as many times as you can, because not only is it healing for everyone that you share with, but for yourself. And it just, it frees you of that shame. And I think shame, like it, it doesn't get the oxygen that it needs when it's spoken out into the world. It's like shame only survives in here. And the more we keep it in, the more it like manifests and metastasizes and spreads. And the more we talk about it and share our stories, the more we are free of it and the more we give space to everyone around us to be themselves too. And that's why I think what you're doing, Linda, is just, well, one of the reasons why I think it's extraordinary is it gives people that healing space. And like you guys said, takes out the happenstance of it and allows us to connect and know that we're not alone and we're not wrong and we're not bad and that we can that our superpower is being ourselves. that's it 